As we journey through this life, some of us may have a difficult time finding our calling. You might feel a twinge of envy when we hear other people testify that they absolutely know what God wants them to do. In fact, they knew when they were a teenager, or maybe even a tween. We might wonder, why don't we know? Why do we still stay so unsure about our spiritual future, even though the Bible tells us to walk worthy of our calling, Ephesians 4 verse 1. We may also face the very real possibility that God has already revealed our calling to us, but we just haven't quite yet figured it out. Such was the case with singer Connie Francis. Connie Francis had achieved minimal success as a singer, but the lightning bolt of fame had yet to strike her and rocket her to the top of the charts. She wisely thought of some second-choice options and backup plans. She received a scholarship to New York University, NYU. Connie considered a career in medicine. Before she headed off to college, her dad insisted, just give singing one more chance. She appeased him. She recorded a song called, Who's Sorry Now? in what she thought would be her very last recording session. In fact, she argued so much with her dad during the recording that she barely had enough tape to complete the song. They had fought so much. Who's sorry now? Connie thought she knew the answer to that question. She was sorry for listening to her father. She was sorry for wasting time recording that song. She was especially sorry when the song seemed to take the same path as every other piece she had written and recorded, heading straight for music oblivion. And yet as Connie watched the show American Bandstand, she heard host Dick Clark praise an amazing girl and predict her song would boost straight to the top of those charts. Connie was envious. She wished she were that girl. And then she realized she was that girl. Dick Clark played her song, Who's Sorry Now? Suddenly Connie was no longer sorry. She was elated. She went on to have a successful career in music. Connie seems a lot like young Samuel and Saul. They weren't sure what they should do. They were surprised when they heard God's call that would change their lives forever. And both of their stories, both Samuel's and Saul's, show that we all sometimes need a little bit of help to understand God's call. We're going to hear more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I'm so glad you're here. My name is LJ. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson that was dated May 28, 2023. It's the last lesson, last episode in this series, God, Our Judge and King. But even more than that, it is the last episode, last lesson in the spring 2023 God's Word for Life lesson guide. So happy to have you here. Today's episode leaps from the pages of the historical books, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 6-7, through 7, where the prophet of God is speaking to Saul, who is yet to be anointed king, but that day is coming soon. And Samuel prophesies to Saul that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. 
This was the time when Samuel was speaking to Saul to give Saul the call of God on his life. Now, who were Samuel and Saul? Excellent question. They lived during a momentous time in Israel's history. As the nation of Israel moved from those tumultuous days of the judges, which we learned about and heard about over the last few episodes, man, that was a train wreck, to kingship. The book of Judges is full of increasing chaos and violence. In fact, when you get to the end of the book of Judges, everybody does what is right in their own eyes. If you will, just a simple example, that would be like everybody deciding whether red means stop or go or wait, when green means stop or go or wait, and everybody just did what they thought was right. We move, though, into the book of 1 Samuel, and we see God call Samuel to be a prophet, but so much more. He was a kingmaker a priest. He was the last judge of Israel. And yet the people of God grew weary of the judges, and they grew weary of God leading them. They were moving away from relationship with God. They desired a king like every other nation had. And God warned them about their choice. And before he gave them a king, he told them what that king would demand. Samuel anointed Saul to become the first king of the nation because the people clamored for a king. And God said to them, If that's what you want, that's what you can have. Both Samuel's and Saul's stories reveal the importance of having godly ministers and spiritual advisors to help us make sense of the call of God. Young Samuel relied on the wisdom of Eli to help him understand God called him to be a prophet. Samuel didn't fully comprehend the voice of God, and yet Eli told him, Son, you need to talk to God. When God speaks, you talk to God. So when Samuel presented himself, God called him to be a prophet. We read that in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 14. And Samuel used those prophetic gifts to pave the way for Saul to become the first king. And at first, Saul started off so well. He was reluctant to accept this mantle of king, but the Lord helped him overcome all those inadequacies and all those insecurities Saul dealt with. He started off remarkably well. He started off so humble but he should have paid more attention to the words of Samuel and allowed Samuel, the man of God in his life, to mentor him. Which brings us to our first question. What about you? To whom do you go for godly advice? And what advice from them has helped you in your past? Samuel might have felt like he had no choice but to accept the call of God because his mother Hannah, faithful Hannah, had dedicated him to God before his birth. She couldn't have any children. So Hannah prayed for a child when she was at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh, and she vowed if God would give her a child, she would dedicate that child to the Lord. The priest Eli watched her praying, and he thought she was drunk. I feel so bad for Hannah in that story. He even rebuked her. He said, come on, woman, stop drinking. Pastor Eli, come on. (laughs) She's not evil. She's hurting. Now, we can't be too hard on Eli because... There were a lot of people coming into the temple, a lot of tomfoolery happening in the temple. They'd come in to worship and sacrifice, and they ended up just eating and drinking the day away. But Hannah was not like them. She had not been drinking. And she told Eli her sorrowful story. When he understood her soul was broken because she could not have a son, he told Hannah to go in peace, and he prayed that God would grant her what she had been praying for. And Hannah was no longer sad. She later conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means God has heard me. Yes, he has, Hannah. She fulfilled her promise to dedicate Samuel to the Lord. She weaned him, 
she sent him to live in the temple in Shiloh and serve the man of God in the house of God. Now, other children might have also lived there in the temple. Parents may have left their children there because they could not care for them. Other children might have sought refuge there as they fled war or famine. Yet other parents may have dedicated their children to the Lord, just like Hannah had done. But unlike everybody else, Samuel and his extraordinary mother were different. One night, Samuel heard a voice calling out to him, and he had no idea what to do. The word of the Lord was so rare in those days. Young Samuel had no point of reference. He couldn't look back and say, oh, that sounds like God again. In fact, he thought Eli was calling for him. So he jumped up out of bed, ran into Eli's room, knocked on the door. You called for me? Eli rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and said, no, I didn't call for you. Don't wake me up in the middle of the night. Samuel returned to his room, voice called out to Samuel again. He came to Eli, you call for me? No, I didn't call for you. Go to bed. On the third time, Samuel came back to Eli, and Eli realized the Lord was calling Samuel. So he told Samuel, next time you hear that voice, you say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And when Samuel answered the call of God, the Lord told him about ministry and told him about the fall of the house of Eli. God was going to do something great in Israel, and Samuel was going to play a vital role in that. Samuel spoke the word of God to the people, and the Lord confirmed every proclamation. He didn't let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And as a result, everyone from Dan to Beersheba, now those are places, those aren't people, knew the Lord had established Samuel as a prophet. Dan was as far north in Israel as you could go to keep your sandaled toes inside the border, And Beersheba was the southernmost you could go to stay inside Israel. It'd be kind of like here in the United States saying from from the West Coast to the East Coast, or as we sing it, from New York to Italy. All the music is free. God made Samuel's prophetic gifts well-known far and wide, from Dan to Beersheba. Samuel's story teaches us the need for help from the ministry to discern God's plan, God's call for our lives. All of us are trying to listen for God's voice, to listen for his call, but sometimes we might find it difficult to understand. And Hannah certainly struggled with understanding God's call and his plan. She wondered why would God give other women children and seemingly abandon her. But Hannah did not give up. She journeyed to the temple and she prayed. Prayer is always a good place to start to understand the call of God. We also need men and women of God who can speak words of life to us to help us gain the understanding we need. Although the priest Eli misunderstood Hannah at first, he later spoke a powerful message of hope to her. Being raised by a godly mother, Samuel probably knew the importance of faithfulness and dedication, but he had never yet heard the voice of the Lord. Maybe we're in the same boat. Those raised in church may look at our upbringing and wonder why we have difficulty understanding God's call despite what we know. And yet those not raised in godly homes may wonder if they missed out on something altogether that would help them hear and understand God's call because they don't know how to recognize it. In both cases, we shouldn't focus on our inadequacies. We should focus on hearing the call of God. We should make time to talk with godly leaders, spiritual advisors, so we can correctly respond to the call of God. Next question. What might be hindering you from hearing the voice or the call of God for your life. Well, Samuel served as a faithful priest, a prophet, a judge in Israel. 
He was that quintessential minister. He possessed all the best characteristics of any leader. He was also a prayer warrior. The people begged Samuel not to stop crying out to the Lord for them, even though they were wicked. They said, hey, don't stop praying for us. You're keeping us alive. And yet they didn't appreciate fully everything Samuel had done for them. And they demanded a king like all the other nations. Remember, Samuel was a judge, which did not just mean he was a man who wore a black robe and pounded a gavel to determine cases. He he was a judge in the sense that he judged between the people and God. He was able to stand between them and lead them closer to God. And yet they didn't want him. They didn't want that. They wanted a king because all the other nations had a king. Part of the problem arose because Samuel's sons couldn't succeed him because they, they were wicked themselves. All these shenanigans, they were accepting bribes. They couldn't be trusted. Samuel had a sterling, unimpeachable reputation above reproach, but his sons, not so much. That apple fell acres from the tree. The people also wanted a stronger military, and the heir of the judges, Israel's tribes, were just this loose confederation. And a few would unite together to defeat a threat, but eventually they went back to their own territories and they fought their own battles by themselves. But a king, oh, a king could unite the tribes and he could really make Israel a nation. And we're going to get rid of those pesky Philistines once and for all. The timing seemed to prove right for kingship because some of these superpowers were having problems of their own. The Hittite nation disappeared from history. The Egyptians were weak. The issue of having a king was, it wasn't just practical or strategic, it was spiritual. The people have not just rejected Samuel and their demands, they have rejected God up to this point, using the judges and others who have led the nation of Israel, like Moses and Joshua, Israel was all a theocracy, where God was the one who ruled and he used men to lead on earth, but really they were following God. So the Lord told Samuel, hey, bub, don't feel so bad. They're not just turning their back on you, turning their back on me. And they chose to have a king. The Lord told Samuel, I'm going to tell you who you will anoint to be king. It'll be Saul. Samuel first encountered Saul when this soon-to-be king was searching for his dad's lost donkeys. Samuel told Saul that, hey, don't worry. The donkeys are found. Everybody's going to be okay, including the donkeys. And then the prophet gave Saul some food and a place to stay, and he took him to the outskirts of town, and there he privately anointed him to be king. Samuel told Saul about several signs that would confirm that call, and every one of those signs came true. Then, unlike anything Saul had ever felt before, the Spirit of the Lord rushed on Saul like the Spirit of the Lord had rushed on Samson. But instead of receiving supernatural strength, the Spirit of the Lord made Saul prophesy. The Spirit changed Saul and made him into a different person. From that day on, people asked the question, Is Saul one of the prophets? Really? Saul, a prophet? Now, all of us have gifts that make us useful in the kingdom of God. We need something more than just our own skill and ability and talent. We need the Spirit of the Lord to rush in, to move in our lives, to make us who we were truly meant to be. Like Saul, we must be open to becoming a different person. Maybe you're introvert and you don't like to talk to people, and yet God is moving on your heart to teach a Bible study with somebody. God is going to rush on you if you'll allow him and help you to be a different person so you can move past what you might consider some of those excuses or reasons why not and do what he's calling you to do. 
The New Testament speaks of putting off the old nature through baptism, Romans chapter 6. Baptism by water in the name of Jesus Christ, baptism in the Holy Spirit, helps us to take on a godly nature. We're a new person in Christ Jesus. Now, this Saul lived a long time before the New Testament, but he experienced something very similar that they experienced on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of the Lord rushed in on them. Now, once Saul became king, the people saw him win wars, battles. They might have attributed those victories to Saul and his stature. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was tall. He appeared to be very strong and strapping lad. But Saul didn't think his height and physical appearance would make him a good king. In the early part of his kingship, he recognized he needed God. He wasn't tall enough to defeat all these nations. He needed the help of God. might be one of the reasons he started off so humbly and so well. When we read of people being called of God in the Bible, we often see their reluctance. Moses told the Lord, I don't talk real good. Isaiah wondered how he could ever declare the word of God as a man of unclean lips who dwelt among a people of unclean lips. In other words, God, I'm, I'm unclean and everybody around me is unclean. Jeremiah felt like his youth disqualified him. I'm too young. I can't do anything for you. Well, Saul, he had a similar reluctance when God called him. Samuel had privately anointed Saul earlier, but Saul later had a public coronation when the Lord demonstrated to the people that Saul would be the king. But at first, nobody could find him because he was hiding in the baggage claim. Ironically, the one who looked like he would be a king because of his stature was hiding from everybody. All of us, and I hope all of us, are humble enough to admit we need God. We might even feel inadequate like Saul, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, many others. Humility is good when it comes to calling. We realize we cannot do this on our own. We need God. And surprisingly, humility and exaltation are tied together in Scripture. When Peter was speaking to the ministry, he wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That verse reveals something ironic and spiritually powerful. Many people believe humility is not the path to promotion. That might be true on some level in the natural world, but humility is a spiritual requirement in the kingdom of God. If you want to be promoted, if you want to be exalted, Jesus said, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Peter said, the humble shall be exalted. We must have the humility to focus on advancing God's kingdom, not our own. If we have that humility, that manifests itself in reluctance. We're in good company. So many before us and after us have had the same and will have the same, but we should still not ignore the call of God. We should seek the help of the ministry to assist us in helping us understand God's call. We should seek to better ourselves, to make up in those areas where we may be weak so God can help us to be better. Men and women of God can advise us on next steps. They can pray with us and help us to follow the plan of God. They're good people to talk to because they've already walked the path of humility and thanks to the grace of God, promotion. One more question. What causes your reluctance to answer God's call in your life? And how would a man or woman of God in your life respond to that reluctance? Okay, we're going to wrap this up. The basketball coach at a small but successful college prepared for the day. He had more than a five o'clock shadow this morning, so he started shaving to make himself look a little more presentable. Sprayed out the shaving cream and lathered up. After taking a few swipes at a growing beard with his razor, he heard his wife's voice from downstairs. 
there was a phone call for him. And since this story occurred in the days before cell phones, the coach needed to make his way downstairs to answer a landline tethered to the wall. What kind of dark ages did we live in? He wondered if he should bother with a call, so he asked his wife, he said, Who is it, hun? And he continued shaving. And she replied, It's it's Sports Illustrated. And that surprising answer shocked the coach, caused him to cut himself while shaving. Well, this was it. This was his big moment. He'd worked so hard to improve the team. Even though most people didn't give his program the time of day, one of the best sporting magazines on the planet, they finally recognized this coaching genius, this diamond in the rough. He wiped the blood from his cut face, and he turned to sprint downstairs and ran right into the wall. But that pain didn't deter him. This was his big break. He rounded the corner, grabbed the handrail. His speed and exuberance nearly caused him to slide down the stairs. Thankfully, the rail saved him. He busted around the corner, hit his knee on the table, grabbed his throbbing leg, continued hopping toward the phone. He grabbed the phone out of her hand and said, Hello, Sports Illustrated? On the other line, a cheerful voice replied, Yes, that's right, and for only a small monthly subscription rate, you can enjoy the very best Sports Illustrated has to offer. The dejected coach hung up the phone and slumped down next to the wall, little blood dripping down his chin from where he had cut himself shaving. We might find ourselves in some similar situations. No matter the outcome, we should still answer the call. Answer it with the same enthusiasm the coach answered that call. Even if our calling fails to meet our expectation, we must focus on what God expects from us, which is faithfulness to do what he's called us to do. We read of Samuel's wondrous actions as a prophet. We might sometimes forget that he probably had to do some menial chores in the temple at Shiloh. Saul would win many battles as king, but his road to the throne began while he was searching for his dad's donkeys. So let's answer the call of God with enthusiasm, with excitement. Let's rejoice even if our calling presents us with ordinary situations that just ask us to be faithful, that might even seem pointless to us at the time. Because if we are faithful, one of these days God will turn the ordinary into the extraordinary, and only God We'll get the glory for it. I'd like to pray right now for the Lord to help us understand his call for our lives. Maybe you're praying, you're seeking, and you want to know what God would you have me to do. And then let's respond to that call. When God speaks to you, whether it's through your prayer time, you're through your pastor, through a minister, through man or woman of God in your life, or a combination of both, help us to respond to that high and holy calling of God in our lives. Lord Jesus, we love you with everything within us. Thank you, God, for using us, involving us, inviting us to be part of what you're doing. I pray, help us, every one of us, to understand your call. Whatever you're calling us to do, to be, help us to understand the purpose of God in our lives, the plan, the call of God in our lives. Whatever you're calling us to, Jesus, the answer is yes. Whatever you're asking us to do, we respond today. Wherever you're calling us, wherever you're leading us, we respond, and we say yes We'll do your will. We'll do whatever you call us to do, Jesus. As long as you get the glory for it, we ask you to use us, Lord. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. So happy to have you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. You'll never miss an episode, and you can share it with everybody else so they don't have to miss an episode either. I was just taking a look on some of our statistics recently and noticed that 
In the last few episodes, two of our greatest listening cities have come from the great state of Texas. Houston and Dallas are the two cities to be exact. So thank you, Houston and Dallas, and all of those others who are listening from the United States, from Canada, from around the world. We are so grateful to have you as part of God's Word for Life. Would you do me a favor? Head over to the God's Word for Life Facebook page. The link should be in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Tell us where you're from. Tell us your favorite episode and how God's Word for Life is a part of your devotional life. Also, head to PentecostalPublishing.com, and you can pick up God's Word for Life curriculum. You can pick up youth, children, adult. You can pick up lesson guide, devotional guides, resource kits. You name it, we've got it. You can pick up videos for God's Word for Life, all kinds of good stuff, as well as Bibles, Bible studies, music, books, everything there on PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code GWFL10, GWFL10, you can get 10% off your entire order at PentecostalPublishing.com. It's a one-time use promo code, so once you've used it, thank you for using it, and <laughs> you can't use it again. But we're so happy to have you as the God's Word for Life family. Next week, we begin a brand new series and a brand new season. We are into summer 2023. I'm looking forward to sharing the first episode with you called Authority to Forgive. It's from Mark chapter 2, where Jesus forgave a man of his sins and the people around him went crazy. What? I'm looking forward to sharing that episode with you and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.